Hey there, Fanti fam. We still have one more week till we're back with our big swim special. The producers are doing all the things that they're doing. Travel and I are taking breaks, working on other projects, all that good stuff. But we have a special installment of another episode of We See Each Other, the podcast this week. We're going to be revisiting episode nine called Indicting Yourself, featuring two of the most important voices out there right now, Angelica Ross and Imara Jones. We know you're going to love it. And we'll see you back here real soon with a brand new episode. Generations of history. I'm so glad that we can see the beauty of our stories told by our own. What a joyful time to see community shine. We see, we see, we see, we see each other. We see, we see, we see, we see each other. We see, we see, we see each other. We see, we see, we see Welcome back, beautiful people, to the final, yes, the very last episode of We See Each Other, the podcast. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And I'm Sharjacel. And you know what? I just cannot believe that it is so hard to say <laughs> goodbye to yesterday, Trayvell. This is the end for it our is. show. For, for this yes. for this show. For this show. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Yes, yes, yes. It feels like we just got started, doesn't it? It really does. It re- I mean, this show has been a lot of work. It has been a lot of but work. But in the best way. Absolutely. I, I'm so glad to have you as a co-host. I'm so glad Someone who knows yes. what they're doing because, <laughs> baby. Um, and so for our last episode of the series, we wanted to try something a little different. We still got the same good, good for y'all, okay, to hear, including two amazing interviews with two of the most influential people in media right now, journalist Amara Jones and the one and only actress Angelica Ross, who wrote the foreword to my book. That's coming up later in the episode. But first, we're actually going to pass the mic right now at the top of the show. Ooh, a little switcheroo, if you will. Let's take a listen to what some of you our listeners on our final episode had to say. So I feel the impact for me would be uh, my ancestors before me and also myself who have helped pave the way we crawled um, so that the generation today can now walk and possibly fly. Um, So I feel like the impact for me is just for one, the, it will always be the level of visibility, and two, um, I would say level of visibility and just being able to, I guess, um, evolve with the time. Um, we've gone from hiding in the closets to now kicking down the closet doors, as I said before. So m- more visibility has impacted me more than anything because I didn't have that growing up. The trans person who has impacted me the most is Sasha Colby, the season 15 winner of RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, Recently, I (laughs) said to my fiance, we were talking about sports, that's not my thing. And I remember saying, oh, is like LeBron James just resting on his name as being LeBron? Or is he the Sasha Colby of basketball? And I said that to mean Sasha Colby is in a trans elder. She is an icon. She is not resting on her laurels. She walks into any room and simply takes 
over. You can see it from the inside out. Madam is glowing. She is amazing. And she's really living in her truth. And it is so beautiful and joyful for her. And she's an inspiration to me forever. An icon for the ages. The Femme Queen Mothers starting with Crystal LaBeja, the first mother, um, you know, uh, Dorian Corey, uh, Pepper LaBeja, um, uh, Avis Pendarvis. I have to give thanks to Angie Extravaganza. Like, they're really kind of like, and Paris Dupree, of course, the originator of voguing, period. Um, these people obviously paved the way for this incredible culture to exist. Um, I constantly, sorry, just... <laughs> just constantly think about them because I just think about how the life I have is only possible because they existed and because they fought so hard just being themselves and creating a space for you know so many people to just live and survive um and I really feel like you know I'm living in their legacy and able to reap so many of the benefits of the work they did and I don't take that for granted at all um so I you know always have to thank them first morning um I think besides them I you know I think of so many again amazing trans men who exist um you know I mentioned so many of those names in ballroom um I think of all those people um I think uh, today, um, somebody in the space invoked Lou Sullivan, who I think about a lot, because he, um, you know, dared to write his story as his his journal, and he knew he wanted to get it published at the end of his life, and um, for him to share his story, just starting with who he was, and again, creating a space where there was none, you know? Like, I just think about how unfair it is that he, you know, had to die under those circumstances. And, you know, for me to even be a queer trans man is, again, because of people like him and the work that he did. So, again, just lots of people I don't take for granted. We started. We started with our books. We started with our film. We started with our images that we are sharing across the country. We are doing exactly what our ancestors did when we decided to take jazz to Europe. We also took country music over there too. That was us. That's our music. Our contributions as black people, our contributions as queer people, we are doing things. Uh, we have Tales of the Transcestors that came out last year during um, the Hollywood Fringe Festival. They are revamping the show, new stories of what we're calling unsung trans heroes, right? I mean, we're, we're all doing so much work and it's beautiful to see, like, um, and I know we're all going so many, so many places, but remember communities are built together. That's why it's called a community. Oh, Trayvell, I'm going to miss them. Yeah. I'm going to miss our friends down at the Unique Women's Coalition. Shout out to all the queens over at the Unique Women's Coalition. Support them. Support the work that they're doing for community. And thank you, everyone who we interviewed down there. Also, everyone else who has sent us in your voice memos on thespeakpipe.com slash we see each other. Super, 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 super And for people's tweets and people coming up to me in person and (laughs) running up on me. And listen, it's been a wild ride. It's been a wild, what has it been, eight, nine weeks? It's been a a something. It's been 
seasons have changed since we started this show. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right, y'all. We're going to take a little break, grab a snack, and come on back. Y'all know how y'all like to be. (laughs) (laughs) We see each other. The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair to beware, Danielle Radford. It really is great hair. The Brit with a permit to hit, Lindsay Kell. The queen is dead, long live the queen. And the fast-talking, fist-clocking Hal Uplin. See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for tights and fight. Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. No ring the bell. I'm Emily Heller. And I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. We've been doing our podcast for over 10 years. When we started, it was about trying to learn something new every episode. Now it's about us trying to actively get stupider. And it's working. (laughs) Hang out with us and you'll hear us chat about... Gardening. Horses. Various problems with our butts. And all the weird stuff that makes us horny. That's so weird, all that stuff. (laughs) Baby Geniuses, a show for adult idiots. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. Welcome back to We See Each Other, the podcast. I am Char Jocelle. And I am Trayvell Anderson. All right, y'all, we have got an interview with a woman who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her a little bit of one anyway, because sometimes y'all need to be reminded, okay? You may know her, remember her as Candy from Pose. She was also on American Horror Story 1984. She was in Claw. She was in Framing Agnes and so much more. She also okay, was the executive producer of a uh, digital series that was Emmy-nominated for Rowan Amani, okay, called King Esther. Yes, because Janet Hubert. Okay. Yes! The original and The Blackress. Yes, Yes. the the OG Capricorn. OG, okay. (laughs) So, Angelica Ross has been in this game. Y'all know the name, okay? Wonderful businesswoman. Shout out to Trans Tech Social. Fabulous trans rights advocate. She is multi- faceted, multi-hyphenated. Yes, she is. And what I loved most about this interview was that, you know, Angelica's just going to be Angelica. Mm -hmm. I love this. She does not uh, sanitize herself or her thoughts. Mm -hmm. She says it like she means it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, come hell or high water. Okay, that's that's your disclaimer, (laughs) everybody. Let's take a listen. Well, first and foremost, um, this is my first time being able to thank you in person uh, for writing, for doing the foreword for the book. Thank you so much. There was, there was, it was a little bit of a tightrope walk to write that as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, as as you probably may know, but like again, because I am an actor and I want to stay an actor, but also. I'm not that girl. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how, what other way to be. So that was as light as I could put it in your forward without Mm -hmm. like really going into all the things. And that was a bit much, you know what I mean? Like that was saying a lot, speaking up on the things that I spoke up in your forward. So, Well, I appreciate it, right? Because, you know, some of the things that you share in the forward, we don't, 
we don't talk about when we talk about this visibility and representation conversation, right? We it it starts and stop at at what we see on screen. I feel like now we might be talking a little bit about like, you know, black trans folks being able to be the writers and the directors and the producers behind the scenes, but we don't talk about the experiences in the makeup chair or in the hair chair and how they uniquely matter right for black trans folks and how you can't you can't say that you're really you know doing this inclusion thing if you're not considering you know how some of those things manifest um and so i guess i want to start by asking what do you feel like is missing from the discourse on trans representation and trans visibility a conversation that you've been part of and leading for for some time what aren't we talking about you know, I I, I think that Laverne Cox really hit the nail on the head when uh, she spoke with Katie Couric a while back. And I think that, you know, that interview and her talking about the ways in which we really just focus on trans people's bodies and, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, the whole salaciousness or spectacle surrounding being any kind of gender variant. Um, And I think that that has been the hugest disservice because we're, what we're not talking about is the trans woman who is working at Starbucks because Starbucks provides health insurance that gives them access to um, gender-affirming care. And then how that person grows into a person because they have a job Mm. and access to employment and things like that. They get to actually like their life evolves and grows. I'm specifically talking about a trans woman of color who is white passing, but she's a, a, of Mexican descent and someone that I met through Bambi Salcedo, uh, who does like these trans programs over at the children's hospital, met this person 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They had just gotten out of like some sort of, I think even like, juvenile incarceration situation i think possibly like doing sex work as well you know all the things that we that as trans people sometimes we're faced with in uh, uh, the earlier stages of our tra- our journey and i remember speaking to this group and doing a workshop with them and this workshop was all about i want to give you time right now to have some creative space and think about a creative life for yourself, a life that you would have if you did not have to struggle and survive right now. And one of the girls in the room, uh, room, I remember she talked about wanting to be this publicist in uh, Hollywood and having how she has clients, she's gonna have an all, she'll be doing all these kind of things or whatever. I see that girl sometimes on the red carpet as a publicist for people. Uh, there's a, a, this other girl, the girl that I was talking about before that with a Mexican descent, she, I remember telling them how I found some of my freedom by selling real estate 
because it was as a uh, individual, I had to focus. It was my business. Mm -hmm. My clients uh, were influenced by how I showed up to work. And I showed up shitty sharp to work. I, I showed up, you know, ready to sell that house today. You know what I'm saying? And um, we'll tell them about these things. This girl that I'm talking about is now like a regional manager, I believe, at Starbucks, like manages several locations and is a real estate agent who is responsible for finding my last three places. Wow. Wow. I've, I've used her every year. I've even uh, uh, referred her to other people uh, that have used her as well. So, um, you know, I, I know Trace Lissette. I, 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 I've afforded this girl to Trace Lissette, and Trace Lissette has used her to uh, find her apartment. So, like, that is a story that I know some pieces of, you know, but even I would be interested to know more, to know about her journey from mm-hmm. that to that. Mm-hmm. She's in a relationship with a man with kids, and one of the kids has autism, and she's a caretaker. This is a story. Like, and I'm not saying that everybody's story needs to be told on HBO Max, but what I'm saying is, Everything ain't got to be about shopping at the Goodwill for clothes, for women's mm-hmm. clothes for the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Angelica, let, let me ask you, because you kind of spoke to, to, to uh, you know, mentioning Laverne Cox and Katie Couric. What do you think the public's obsession is around newly transitioned or within transitioning people versus the girl, the guy, or the non-binary person that's 10, 15 years deep and literally just going to go grab a cup of coffee and and putting on their pants one leg at a time like everybody else. What is the public's obsession with that? And why do you think, as far as visibility is concerned, that the quote-unquote everyday stories of just like your everyday Joe Schmo trans person, why aren't those stories stories being told? Because it can't be an, an argument of of lack of of it not being interesting because if we can mm-hmm. make interesting stories about cis people doing those exact same mundane things, why, why aren't trans people granted that same courtesy? So in your opinion, what do you, what do you have to say to that? Well, it's a little bit of what came first, the chicken or the egg. Uh, and the reason why I say that it's a little bit of that is because I in no way want to blame us as trans people. But what I know is that we have created an arena around being a female illusionist, around being, and again, because there's there's a tr- there's drag, mm-hmm. and then there was our uh, there was our female illusionist space, and what we knew, because you talking to somebody that was one of the girls, like. I competed in the continental pageantry system, mm-hmm. all of it. I worked at the Kit Kat Lounge for years. Yes. All of it. What I know is that in Chicago, the Kit Kat Lounge is on Halstead Street, mm-hmm. which is the gay street. <laughs> Halstead and Belmont. So, uh, yep. Uh, 
It's the rainbows up and down the street. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) About a good block over, it's a couple blocks, but a good major block over is uh, Wrigley? Uh, It's it's, uh, it's Wrigleyville. uh, Clark, Clark Street. Clark Street, which is uh, where the Wrigley Chicago Cubs uh, field is. Most of the straight bars are on Clark Street, on Wrigleyville, Wrigley. That major block over is where the Gay Street is. I worked at the Kit Kat Lounge doing the shows there. We loved when the Cubs were playing. (laughs) 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 Baby, because when the Cubs were playing, sometimes it was the players. Sometimes it was just the the fans scraggling over one block, mm-hmm. one block down mm-hmm. the street to the Kit Kat Lounge, and what we knew as 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 again, language is everything, mm. and for the longest time, the best language we had was female impersonator. Mm. That was what we were called. That's what we called ourselves. And so when these unknowing straight people would scraggle into our bar, we knew we had them because of the wonder and illusionment of Mm. you lying to me. Ain't no way. I can't believe Mm -hmm. that used to be. Mm -hmm. So... And some of us, again, you got your Chanel Dupree's and your, again, your Candace Canes, who would perform and you'd be looking at that bitch like, I know you lying. <laughs> like, because, and Candace was cunty as all boot, cunty boots, still is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was such a power that was being pulled from that as an entertainer in these spaces, then that expanded to the stage of Jerry Springer, God rest his soul. The miraculous attention, nobody paid attention to us until it was about this sort of spectacle. Mm. And so even on the Jerry Springer stages, Your Mimi Marks, your Monica Monroe. I know girls that are gonna and and again, we sitting on there, we all watching. And not just just the straight people, the baby trans. Mm-hmm. Myself. I'm watching her and I'm like, and there's this, there's a space in transition between trans women who are have to go through a stage of maybe non-binary of stages. We go through stages. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you find out that the non-binary is where it fits for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at for me. Oh, this I feel comfortable. And other times you looking at Char, you looking at myself, you looking at Candace Kane and like saying, how the fuck do I get there? Mm-hmm. 
And the gag is, so are is everybody else who ain't in the community. They're like, how the fuck did she get there? That bitch looks sickening. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand? What I'm and so, yes. and, and, and I mean, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. So here's the other thing that I feel like sometimes is that's why I feel like sometimes trans women and transsexuals sometimes aren't giving the space they deserve and being honored in the spaces that they take up and the decisions that we take up and decide to do. Um, some people dismiss that as our ways of still being sick on the patriarchy and binary mm-hmm. and we're, we're, we, we're still trying to fit into a system with, by, by doing those things instead of honoring mm-hmm. the, those butterflies, those butterflies, those specific kind of butterflies that mm-hmm. change the way they change, mm-hmm. that show the colors as bright as they show them. So, the unfortunate part is, is that there's, we as a community don't provide space quite yet. We're still fighting over who deserves space and deserves spotlight and deserves to be uh, honored and valued and their stories told and all of that. So then when you go to the outer thing, they're grabbing for the first shit. Mm-hmm. The shit that's the most glossy and glittery. That's why that's they're going for that. But until we as a community learn to fully honor transsexuals, as much as we honor, uh, excuse me, as much as we value our folks like Travell and our, our elokes who are bringing brilliance. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I listen to elokes sometimes. I'm like, what am I doing mm-hmm. with my life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, they break down a word sometimes and it makes me feel like a better human but when we all started in this together Alok was on the enemy list for me, for many folks and trans folks and whatever mm-hmm. not necessarily not necessarily mine I didn't in the beginning I will say I probably didn't understand fully what the fuck was going on I'm gonna be honest but when I w- learned, mm-hmm. I am so blessed to even know Alok, let alone actually be able to have the privilege to hit play mm-hmm. on some of their content. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the reason th- that fixation that we're having happen is because you damn right. It's miraculous, bitch. Mm-hmm. It's miraculous the way some of those girls are able to press no change out. It's what <laughs> fucking Tokyo fuck fucking Tokyo styles. I'm still in that bitch face. Like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> that that bitch. Yeah. That bitch. You might as well call her a sorcerer, a witch. Put that bitch on Amer- Put that bitch on America Horror Story. Cause when I tell you, she didn't went on death becomes her, sold her, soul, did something. Yes. Like, no, I, and, and again, I'm being funny, like you know, yeah. and joking in this space, but saying like again, somebody like Tokyo that. Yeah, breathe that bitch. Mm-hmm. Breathe her, cause everybody ain't able, nor do everybody want to. Bingo. Mm-hmm. So, 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 and again, I say that because I say that because I'm sitting in front of you right now. I know I'm sick. Then 
I know Period. I am. But do I want to be beat for the back row right now? Uh, making sure my <laughs> edges and my eyebrows and my... Uh, listen, I want the privilege too to say I don't want to do all that. Okay. I don't have to do... I don't have to do all that in order to be respected as the woman that I am. Mm -hmm. And that is the point, my dears, when it comes to non-binary folks or people who claim to be and say they are trans and yet they're not presenting the way you think they should present, sweetheart, they don't have to. Mm -hmm. They don't have to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You ate that. Like we're, we're just now getting a show called Sort Of on HBO Max. I love that damn show. It has so a, a non-binary uh, lead in it. And I absolutely love the show. I think it's hilarious. I think it's insightful. I think it's great. I think it's different. Uh, is this person America's next top model? This ain't, no. And But it's about that. It's like about them not being that and them being sort of. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need, to, I need to check this out, it sounds like. Girl, yes. Oh, it's so good. Yes, yeah, sort of. Is, is, you're gonna love it. It's a really good show, and you know, hopefully, your girl's gonna end up. You know, well, who knows? We've been to, maybe uh, I might um, do a yeah, walk we, on or something. Yeah, you you're talking, you're talking. Yeah. So, Char, I saw you were gonna jump guys. in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to know because you know, Trayvell and I both have individual relationships with you. My relationship with you, Angelica, goes back over a decade. For those who don't yes. know, I've said this publicly before, Angelica. Uh, played a vital role in me starting hormone replacement therapy back uh, when she she was still the Angelica Ross, but she wasn't the mm-hmm. Angelica Ross, if y'all know what no, I'm saying. Not. Yeah. <laughs> but you were that to me. You were that to me. And so I'm interested in knowing as language continues to shift, and you kind of spoke to this earlier, you know, there's been a bubbling up about this conversation when it does come to like non-binary lived experiences versus binary trans people's lived experiences. What are your thoughts around like the reclamation of words like transsexual that might have been looked at as like faux pas, you know, just even six, seven years ago, and now people are... are are carving out space, I guess, to differentiate and be specific. Mm-hmm. Okay, what? Are, go ahead. What are your What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I, I'm a transsexual, and I need to. Be I mean, saying about that. No, yes, no. Uh, you know, I, I I think that again, there's a lot of problematic perspectives that come from uh, that have come from transsexuals. Uh, towards trans people and non-binary people because uh, they felt like y'all fucking it up for us. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you fuck, you fucking up for us. You're confusing everybody. We just now started <laughs> to get... <laughs> we just now started getting respect and here you come, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so that, you know, but what I know is, and this is why I would say, like, again, again, in the beginning when I was introduced to, like, the elokes and things like that when we were in the beginning... Like, I, I won't say, I don't think it was a look, but there were other non-binary folks who I felt like were being violent towards me mm-hmm. and other transsexuals and trans people um, because we were binary. Mm-hmm. And um, what, 
Okay, wait, because I want to. Uh, so, just give me your question because I want to stay in the framework of your of your question. So, so, um, so, my question is around basically people reclaiming titles, like transsexual people weren't really saying it was kind of looked at as faux pas just a few years ago, and now the differentiation is there because there are certain shared shared lived experiences, but then there's also you know vastly different lived experiences, and th this is a conversation I've seen Shauna Brooks and Lena Bloom, and yes, there are certain yes. trans people you know that are kind of almost sounding a bit turfish when it comes to well, non-binary inclusion they're, they're, they're just getting caught up they're just getting caught up and the reason why they're getting caught up is because i did a video um some years back that keeps getting shared and it's basically me breaking down the word transgender it's mm -hmm. a very very simple uh video and and really really comes down to is you got to understand that everybody's not that educated and that mm -hmm. includes people in our own community and so when it comes down to transgender, first of all, I did not approve that message. Meaning like <laughs> I was not a part of any group that came up with that wording. Mm -hmm. um, all mm -hmm. kind of, you know, even even when it came mm -hmm. to the LGBTQ flag, all the, I wasn't on that committee. That's how I feel about so, queer. Yeah, queer, my own that, personal you know, politic now, yes now, now 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 for me i've actually i've reclaimed queer uh and i'll tell you i'll go get to that in a minute but um so again transgender all the kind of stuff like for me girl okay like i use it because <laughs> we, I, I use it because we over here educating and talking right education mm -hmm. but like girl who you calling transgender like you yeah. know, so it's 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 kinda of, it's kinda of like I look I you know, it's kinda of like one of those things where trans is an umbrella term. Mm -hmm. And so when the more when the more people understand that it's an umbrella term, the more that uh RuPaul is gonna come correct. Mm -hmm. The more that everybody will come correct. Because it's like again, RuPaul, and again, I'm done uh sort of like being soft you know with mm -hmm. the situation because i've been cute about the situation whatever but you know what i'm just gonna be real that bitch don't like me bitch i know it <laughs> <laughs> bitch, oh we ain't gotta pretend bitch i know it and it's fine and it's fine yeah i kiki with michelle visage we be yeah. in the dms blah 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 but RuPaul does not see it for me, and I know why. And it's been and it's been that way, whatever. But bitch, don't be mad at me mm -hmm. because you uh, don't understand. Mm -hmm. Because you want. Let me tell you the thing about RuPaul, and I love RuPaul. I that that's what makes all this shit sucks so much of the time mm -hmm. is because. You want to be up there clapping the loudest and standing mm -hmm. the loudest for folks who are doing such iconic shit as black, queer, and trans people. Mm -hmm. But you got all of us fucked up if you sitting here trying to live in a bubble and commercialize every goddamn thing. Meaning like everything ain't on the surface level and you keep trying to keep everything on this entertainment mm -hmm. surface level. And people had to fucking force your ass to do a PSA about the drag bands. Bitch, we saw, we could see in the video your ass was fucking forced to do it. It's like somebody was holding a fucking gun to your head in Al-Qaeda. And you, bitch, you was being forced to fucking uh, do a video. So, <laughs> But it's because, it's because 
this bitch don't realize why you trying to make a stance against trans people in drag like like some of us ain't old enough to understand that stance that you that you had mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you still had ooh girl you got she male on the show mm-hmm. girl we remember mm-hmm. so the thing is you are just now coming to the understanding you are just now realizing Every last fucking one of your contestants is trans, bitch. <laughs> and coming out on the show in real time. And coming out in on the show time. in real time. But in but get time. this. Don't understand that trans is an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. So it includes drag queens. Transvestites. If you want to get technical. Take it, take yeah. it back. <laughs> if you want to get clinical and technical. That's why I get upset when we went to go to Hollywood and I go to a fucking audition and they kind of tell me I'm reading for a transvestite role. No, the bitch, no, the fuck I ain't. Get your shit right. I'm a transsexual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why some of us are reclaiming that shit because people got this shit confused. And really quickly, Trayvill, before you uh, ask your question, really quickly, I mm-hmm. think that it's also a function. I'm not of the ballroom, but I was having conversations with people who are of the ballroom. And I think that this conversation it would be disingenuous to not acknowledge that a lot of these people who are being vocal uh, do come from ballroom backgrounds or are of the ballroom. And it's very rigid. Mm-hmm. It's all about realness. So there really is no mm-hmm. wiggle room. And correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't appear to be wiggle room for non-binary people to truly exist and take up space. And so if your experience is informed by the rigidity uh, and the legacy of the ballroom, and that's not me saying it's a bad thing, then when you take that out into the world, and if you're a public figure with the blue check and you're mm-hmm. on this platform, that's that's also what's not being included in the larger conversation of this. If your politic is informed by realness and winning those trophies and walking those categories. I mean, you pretty much said it all mm-hmm. there. Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you something. That motherfucking Lena Bloom... That bitch is motherfucking sickening. Like she was sickening before too. Do you remember her in Chicago? Because I do. She was she was eating it before. Oh really? Yes. Oh man. Oh shit. I might be. I might actually go back to that time actually, but because that probably too. But the thing is, that bitch eats, and her face Mm -hmm. eats, and her mug eats, and like, you know, listen. It's again. This whole situation around talking about, again, why do certain stories get told and, you know, whatever. Again, she's kind of, to me, like our Cindy Crawfords, our uh, uh, Tyra Banks. She is Mm. kind of one of those faces that just is otherworldly as far as the proportions of her beauty. You you know, that sort of thing. Um, But you are absolutely correct. Uh, she comes from a, a world of rigidity, uh, a world in which I would not be as pretty as she is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. because when it comes to walking the face category, dark skinned girls were not really allowed to breathe in that space as per Candy's story revealed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And, and so we have to talk about a lot of things that come from ballroom community that are extremely problematic that do not serve us uh, in this world today. What happens is, is when you come from a community of marginalization and oppression, 
you have to learn sometimes tools and things that help you navigate those environments. When the world and the environment changes, sometimes those tools don't work the same or they, they end up now being tools of violence towards other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I realize is I know a lot of ballroom people who come from fraudulent backgrounds and means Mm -hmm. and are there therefore then entering into relationships with people, professional networking relationships and things like that in fraudulent ways. Um, whether that is doing too much of the fake it till you make it, doing too much of, of, of putting on airs and not actually truly speaking about where you're coming from. I think it's going to, I don't know what it's going to take uh for us to heal uh these spaces um but i think that i cuz i, I want to speak to this and i don't know how i'm make this tangent but speak to the fact that you got folks like flame monroe who is a comedian i i used to go to her shows on the south side of chicago I would be in stitches laughing at this bitch. Like she just would have us in stitches laughing. There's something about community and being trans people and, and having the tongue that we have sometimes when we're around each other mm-hmm. and we can laugh and we can cut and we can do all the things. It's something about comedy that's able to be healing and that's able to be all these things. I think that the comedy space has violated our trust, has violated who we are, and people like your Flame Monroe's, and sometimes, again, whether it's your Lena Blooms or things like that, they take things that rules and things, tones, connotations, uh, phrases that work in community spaces for very specific reasons and ways. Mm Mm-hmm. But when you take that stuff out of there, and like I was talking to T.S. Madison the uh, the other day, and I was talking about how Samson used her video Child. to mm-hmm. basically say, see, mm-hmm. see, uh, trans people agree with me. And as they're on their kiki about Bob the Builder and girls being built like Bob the Builder, mm-hmm. now... If we're in certain community spaces, a girl that's built like Bob the Builder might be laughing along with that. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because yes. we're mm-hmm. in a community space and she knows she built like Bob the Builder. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, so bitch, bitch, fuck you, bitch. Right, right, right. And, and, it beca- and it's like this thing. Mm-hmm. It's fine. But what happens is people people become pick me's and Mm. realize that there's this element that gets them picked out of everybody else. Mm -hmm. If they take these things that worked in community spaces and make them work in their favor. Ooh. Ooh. So that transphobia, that realness that we do in community spaces that works in certain ways, because even the brickiest brick can serve 
You mm-hmm. understand? Learns to serve when they know their look. Yes. You understand? Mm-hmm. What I'm yes. Saying? Talk about it. Yes. So, 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 so much of that stuff works like sandpaper for us in the community. In the community. It, it, what mm-hmm. it does is it polishes us wow. in community. What? So, T.S. Madison telling this girl, bitch. The fuck you walking out this house uh looking like that bitch? You don't you don't I know you ain't one you don't want to get caught. We doing all this shit to make sure that that bitch don't get caught one in the mm-hmm. streets and can make it home safe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But but if I am to hold the line mm-hmm. and, and not be a weak link, but hold the line, that means you not even calling Caitlyn Jenner one. Yeah, that is true. That mm. is true. And and I can't stand that fucking bitch. Mm. Mm. That is true. <laughs> that is so true. That so is that's true. so that the thing is 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 and I had to explain. I, I explained to uh, to Mass. I explained to a lot of people is that people people want to people want to be righteous. White people want to want you as a black person to stamp give them a stamp of approval that says I'm not one of the racist ones. I'm good. And you got everybody and their mama, cishet people using trans and queer people like Madison that they could say is my friend. Mm-hmm. So boom, mm-hmm. I can't I can't be transphobic. Mm-hmm. But take it even like my this. My God, my God. When Duran Bernard got onto the thing and said, uh, this is ridiculous for someone to even think that I'm transphobic. I, I couldn't possibly be transphobic. And I responded to Duran because he's a friend. Yeah. I said, Duran, Duran, it's not a stretch. I'm transphobic. Mm-hmm. And folks re- not realizing that tr- shit, the transphobia is born in the trans person. Mm-hmm. Because, because we're being told by our outside world we need to measure up to this, to that, mm-hmm. as a woman, as a man. And if we don't, we're telling ourselves, they are my hands is too big. Oh my God. Damn, mm-hmm. my voice is too deep. Mm-hmm. Damn, I'm too tall. My feet too big. I wish this, I wish I wasn't that. So we take our hormones, we do our things to contour and highlight, but not understanding. That when we become healed people, Mm -hmm. when we become fully healed, then that means to understand that I embrace Mm -hmm. and and I'm I'm stopping this transphobia because I know some Bob the Builder bitches and those are my best friends. I know some, you know what I'm saying? Like this is not to mention, you know, some, not to mention, you know, some Bob the Builder bitches who are cis. Like that also helps dismantle the I mean. informs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, right. like right. that that also helps to dismantle. But yeah, totally agree. That I, I I loop that in with anti-blackness as well. Like how how it is informed and ingrained and festers and grows and society waters that weed. And it's up to us to really do the work to get the weed whacker and 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 be be mm-hmm. comfortable and well, be settled. Part of getting that weed whacker, and this is the thing that I w- I want to drop for every single person. Uh, you have start got to start practicing and getting uh, good at indicting yourself. Mm. 
So let me indict, let me go ahead and model and indict myself right here on this podcast. Angelica Ross is an ableist bitch. I am ableist. I, as much as I tried and listen, I'm informed. Mm-hmm. I call, I try to look for spaces where things aren't this and things aren't that, but I still realize that there might be moments when my comfort, even at least at the first thought of it, my first thought is my comfort over someone else's access. And so I have to call myself out that I can't be trusted. There might be a moment where you're going to catch me being mm-hmm. ableist. To take that uh, thing further, I might be sexist. And I'm mm-hmm. someone who considers myself a feminist yeah. who does all kind of things. Yeah. But I was raised mm-hmm. being told that women do this and men do that. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't promise you. Mm-hmm. I can't promise you that ain't, I'm not going to have a sexist moment. So, again, those people out there who want to quickly raise their hand and tell me they're not transphobic, bitch, put your hand down. Because mm-hmm. you is. Mm-hmm. And all you men out there, who want to act like you one of the good ones. All you men out there running away and ducking your head in the sand, you older men, because the Me Too movement is at your motherfucking feet. It's at your heels. How about y'all start indicting yourselves and you Mm. say, hey, as a man raised in this time, we were told this is the way you were supposed to behave as a man. Mm -hmm. You talk about women openly this way. Mm -hmm. We do these things. So I, I personally exhibited problematic behavior, misogynistic, call the things out, indict yourselves. It's okay. We all have somewhere where we can be indicted. If somebody is Mm -hmm. telling you they don't, they lying. They're a liar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a liar. As Ian Lu would say, a liar. A liar. <laughs> so that's how we're going to get here is if that everybody realizes that we all have the ability to internalize some form of oppression. Mm-hmm. Anti-blackness. Black people can be anti-black. Mm-hmm. I've been Absolutely. there. I did that. Trans people can be anti-trans and transphobic. Women can be misogynistic. We've seen example Baby. and example, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time and time again. Yeah. Trayvon. I love that, you know, Shar, you know, we've been having conversations with various people about language yeah. on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've heard a little bit of everything. <laughs> we have. We have. <laughs> um, but I think what you just kind of detailed there, Angelica, is 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 how Shar and I have been trying to articulate at least our positionings, right? um on this show um and that bit about like you know indicting oneself everybody should should take that and and run with it um with that angelica thank you so much for giving us some of your time i deeply appreciate it again (laughs) y'all can go follow angelica everywhere and check out her new single purr oh i've been thumping purr Mm -hmm. it's a good one it is a good Mm, one it reminds me of pussycat dolls a little bit um, <laughs> it's sexy and it's just in time for the summer. Listen, happy we love, pride, we ha- happy pride, yes, Feliz pride. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. With that said, we're going to take one more break. And when we come back, we'll get into our next and last interview of We See Each Other, the podcast, with the one and only Amara Jones. Don't go nowhere. We see each other. This episode of Fanti is brought to you by Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. In my Wild Grain box, my most recent one, there was like ciabatta, like a big loaf of ciabatta, a couple of different sourdoughs, a couple of baguettes, um, always some croissants, and then there were some desserts in there as well. I have to tell you that... Having wild grain as part of like my weekly lineup has been super duper helpful. I'm a meal prep person. Like I love to either meal prep myself or I'll use a subscription service for that as well. Having wild grain has been great because I love to have like a fresh loaf of bread sitting on my kitchen counter wrapped up or sealed or something so that I can just cut off slices of it when I want Pro tip, I've been doing like really thin slices of bread so I can have more pieces of toast to go along with my stuff. Not what we're talking about. Anyway, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy Wild Grain as a customer and as as someone who's a part of um, the Fanti fam. And now you can fully customize your Wild Grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries that you like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box. Plus, Free croissants in every box, which you know I love. When you go to wildgrain.com slash fanti to start your subscription, that's wildgrain.com slash fanti. Girl, go get you some free croissants. We see each other. Welcome back to the show, y'all. Trayvell, it's that time. It is. Our last but certainly not least guest on the show is the incomparable journalist and creator of Translash Media. And as some of y'all may have heard me talk about on Fanti or on this show, Amara is also the host of the limited series podcast, The Anti-Trans Hate Machine. Please check it out, okay? Do your research. I haven't even listened to that. It is... Wonderful reporting, yeah. first of all, yeah. but it details with explicit clarity the coordinated campaign mm. that is now manifesting as these anti-trans bills throughout the, the 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 country, right? And so she traces she it's 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 great work, y'all. Like wow. great reporting. I'm gonna take a listen because I followed your recommendation and checked out the Miriam Rivera podcast mm-hmm. that Trace Lissette hosted, mm-hmm. and it was good. I binged that. Yeah, yeah it was good. I, you know, I love a story time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So shout out to Amara. She also was on the Time 100 this she year. She was. So yes. shout out to the work that she's doing. And her podcast in general is great. It's so good. Yes, tra- yes. Translash podcast. Yeah, it's great. I've listened to a few episodes of that. But anyway, buckle up, take a listen because I had an emotional reaction mm-hmm. to Amara words take a listen you all well first and foremost amara you know Mm -hmm. i need the people Mm -hmm. to know that you are hot shit um (laughs) and that the work that you are doing and have done is important and pivotal um for transforming the world um into what we know it can be so thank you for that first and foremost Um, Thank you for that. I'd love to begin talking about your early memories of seeing Mm. trans people on screen. Mm. Mm -hmm. What film, what character, what TV show immediately comes to mind for you? 
I think probably Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. I think that was the first trans representation that stands out for me. And it stood out for me because of the confidence and sophistication that she had even being um, a character who was marginalized in that movie Mm -hmm. or from a marginalized community, I think really stands out to me. So it was, it's the, it's the only one that I'm really, I'm wrecking my brain. I'm like, yeah, that's the, that's the one that stands out for me. And that's the first one that I really kind of remember maybe that. And then, Around that time, crying game. So that yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So now everybody knows I'm a I'm an '80s baby. But yes, <laughs> so those are. Uh, so yeah, those are the those are the things that yeah those are the ones that stand out for me. Those two, um, and then later on, um, which would have been some years afterwards. Not, I mean, what four years afterwards, three years? I can't remember. Um, around the same time, of course, it would have been Paris is Burning. So kind of those three are my images. And maybe I've seen others and I just blocked them out. Like mm-hmm. if there were any ones that were negative or whatever, I just, but those are the main ones that, that stand out for me when you're asking me. Those are what leap out to me. So Amara, you mentioned, you know, the the times that you had seen yourself reflected in media. Um, and I'm interested mm-hmm. in knowing how that helped or harmed the ways in which you ended up seeing yourself. Because when I think back, like I didn't see the crying game until I was like an, a full on adult. And I remembered that story being not the best. And so given mm-hmm. that most of the depictions an overwhelming majority of depictions of transness during that time were not positive or they were laced in trauma, mm-hmm. how did the mm-hmm. the representation that you that you saw, how did that help inform or hurt the way in which you saw yourself? Yeah, I think it's why I'm so obsessed with um, creation right now and like the way that I choose to create transmedia or media about us, I should say more specifically, is because I think it made it seem like it wasn't possible. Like it was either so like far away um, or it was um, or it was like hyper marginalized Mm -hmm. or it was erasure. I mean, what I remember more than anything, it's not even that there were lots of negative portrayals. I just remember erasure, you know, not seeing and not seeing is a form of violence because it, it, it removes the idea that you're possible and that you're real. And what's fascinating to me is that like that sense of erasure existed for people. Like it's only recently in the last five years that that's changed. But I know people who were born in like 1998, which means that their formative years were 2008, 2009. And they say the same thing that I said. And so it's really fascinating how persistent it is. Yeah, if you think about it, like Mm -hmm. what, what trans images you saw as a kid, books, cartoon characters, characters on television living full full lives that were there in 2008, 2009, 2010. Well, I, I think about, you know, because I'm a kid, I was born in 88, so I'm a child of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. about uh, growing up in the, in the 
you know, talk show days and things like that. And I imagine someone yeah. born in 2002 might not have that same experience, given that like Laverne was on the cover of magazines by the time, you know, 2014, 2015. 2014. 2014. Yeah. 2014. And so the, the, the way in which transness was expressed and shown in the media, in my opinion, changed drastically from the 90s to the 2000s. I think I think the mid 2000s and what I'm talking okay, about okay. are people I'm talking about people who were 2008, 2009, 2010. Like let's say you were between 5 and and 10 in that era. Laverne you didn't really start seeing the turn really becomes around 2014, mm-hmm. right? And then accelerating 2015, 2016. Like those three years were pivotal. But um yeah, I mean it's and 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 I had totally blocked out all of those um those talk show appearances it wasn't until recently someone was talking to me about jerry springer and then they were like yeah remember all these trans people learned jerry uh, on jerry springer and these others i had blocked them out because i i think i had found all those to be really traumatic portrayals Mm. right so i i had my mind had totally forgotten that he used to have trans women on regularly and setting them up and having people vote on whether or not they were you know born um a boy or born a girl. Like I had blocked all that out. I had totally forgotten it. And so I think that's what I'm saying is that like, if you were born in 1998 and you were 10 in 2008, you weren't really seeing Mm -hmm. images of trans people that were affirmative and full and widespread. Um, And even now it's still highly limited in certain places and spaces. So I think that um, for me, the most vivid thing that I remember is the erasure. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about your podcast, The Anti-Trans Hate Machine, um, in which you are detailing with explicit clarity the campaign, <laughs> right, that is currently underway um, mm-hmm. against us as a community. And I bring this mm-hmm. up because I've been articulating a connection between the types of things that conservatives are saying about trans people in state legislatures across the country Mm -hmm. um, of, you know, uh, accusing us of being predators, accusing us of Mm -hmm. wanting to harm people, et cetera. Um, And I've been saying that I find it interesting that those are the things that they are saying. Um, And I wonder Mm -hmm. about how that may be connected to the media they saw about us mm. as they were coming mm. up and going through the world. And so you think that trans people, trans women in particular are mm-hmm. um, predators because you remember Psycho or Silence of the Lambs and you conflate, mm. you know, our identities, right, with those characters. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm wondering for you, in all of the reporting that you've been doing on this concerted mm-hmm. effort that is unfolding, how mm-hmm. media portrayals from your vantage point might factor into the legislative assault that we are experiencing. Yeah, there are a couple of things that I, I think I would say. I think one, I just want to make a, a point and then um, be good and answer your question, um, which is a really insightful one, is to just say that I think that like we can become overly comfortable and both of you all know exactly what I'm talking about. But I think that like we can become overly comfortable that because we can name now, you know, a fair number of people who are black trans people in entertainment that um, there, there's been a trans- transformation. And I think what I argue is that 
that the entertainment space in terms of our media is a contested space. It's not a space that we've won. Mm -hmm. I think one, all of those people would tell you that, that people still see them as trans and that they're relegated to certain types of roles, et cetera. But at the same time, we have to remember that we also have major platforms that are giving massive stage and tens of millions of dollars to people who make money off of attacking Mm -hmm. us. And those people are playing to thumping, you know, audiences and audiences that are supporting and cheering them on. Mm-hmm. So we need to realize that even in the place that is a, where an arena where we are supposedly making um, gains, and we are making gains, and it's still a contested space. It's not one that's an outright, you know, overall absolute win. But I think that to your point, um, I, I think that I'm going to go back to what I said before, which is about erasure. I think for them, what's more important is that they didn't really see trans people. Mm-hmm. And so for them, you know, their entire li- lines, really important perspective that they have is that trans people aren't real and and, and all of y'all are new. Y'all just mm-hmm. popped up. Yes. And y'all just showed up in 2014. Yes. And I turned around, I ain't seen none of y'all. And all of a sudden, y'all everywhere in my face. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that it. it's un- it underscores the way that the erasure actually is violent because it means that the moment that we become visible, we seem not having been real. And I think that that's more to the point that like the damage here, as much as the negative portrayals, of course, as I talked about, they're so negative, I blocked some of them out, are really powerful. What is the absolute violence that has been done against Mm -hmm. us, I think, this is my own personal opinion with regards to media and culture, is the erasure. Yeah, and I think as as you were speaking, there was a few things that came up for me. I thought about Netflix which is the first Mm -hmm. example, which houses Dave Chappelle's Mm -hmm. comedy specials and Disclosure, like you're profiting from both sides, like most media conglomerates do. And then um, it's been fascinating as someone who's in and of community to see so many people say that non-binary people didn't come about until the pandemic. And I'm like, where the hell y'all been? Like, I've never, that's (laughs) a really popular talking point. And I think that, you know, with people being so misinformed and ill-informed about the trans community, like Mm -hmm. you said, they're then able to craft their own narratives. I think to, to Sunny Hostin of The View, she has publicly stated that her grandmother's best friend was a trans woman who she was around growing up and Sonny's in her 50s. So it's, it, it, mm-hmm. it mm, you got me to thinking. So Amara, as a j- journalist to journalist, coming off the heels yes. of, your, of your answer, and you might've already spoken to this, but I'm interested in knowing your thoughts around that old adage that says, you know, mm. he who controls the images controls the minds and, and mm-hmm. how that erasure and that violence then contributes to to the ways in which it it even bleeds into legislator and 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 how mm-hmm. laws are made how do you think we can begin to change that and i don't mean we as black trans people because we're constantly you know doing it but in the name of gatekeeping and in the name mm. of I don't know. I have so many friends that are like actors and actresses and seeing how these narratives are crafted. Like there's very particular images being put out to the masses for very particular reasons. I'm interested in knowing in Mm -hmm. your opinion, why that is, why is no one, why we don't have 12 different versions of Trace Lissette's Monica, you know, on on screens. Like why, why is it very particular narratives around transness that are constantly being, perpetuated and platformed. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I w- I'm going to add a quote to the one that you get that you gave, and I think you know it adds to what we were talking about. Is the Voltaire quote, which is that if I can get you to believe absurdities, I can get you to commit atrocities. Oh. So if I can get you to believe absurd things about people, then I can get you to commit atrocities against them. Oh my God. Right. And I think that we have to be very mindful of that when we're talking about, you know, labeling people as groomer and all the, the, the other things that that's about creating absurd images of, of, of us, which makes us vulnerable to atrocities. Mm. And y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are the new boogeyman uh, with no, with no yeah. examples, no proof, but we're just the boogeyman. But go ahead, Amara. But we saw it like, you, you know, mm-hmm. like when you were hood, like being really afraid of being labeled as being like trans or growing up because attached to the idea of being trans, like growing up and in a lot of places, not only in the hood, but in lots of places are these absurd ideas about who you are and what you're doing and how you move through the world. And that then opens you up to violence. And we, we see that and have lived that for years. But I, I think that one of the important things here is, and this is why I have, you know, well, this is why I believe in. Ind- I I I I had to create independent media for myself, right? Um, and I cheer on everybody who finds ways to thrive and move the needle in ways that work for them. I, I believe it's going to take everybody doing what they know how to do and the way that they know how to do it for us to build the society that we all want to live in. But I think that for me, like. I had to create independent media because I understand very much how media makers, and especially those in news, but media makers see themselves honestly as instruments of control. Mm. Like they're trying, they understand very much their role in reinforcing current systems and Mm -hmm. understand that their role in reinforcing current systems is how they make their money. You know, in part, people want to be told very comforting stories. They want to tell stories that reinforce their biases and that make them feel comfortable about the world. And by doing so, all you're doing is perpetuating the world, which means that when there is space, I'm getting so deep. No one's going to work with me after this, but this is my life. But the thing is that, like, when you're therefore, when you create space, for anything new, you're going to create it so narrowly that it doesn't actually shake the the status quo. Mm-hmm. You're going to do it in such a way as where it doesn't fundamentally undermine the the um, the way things are, because that's how you make money. And so I think that like we have to be very mindful of that, right? That like these places are not fundamentally, um, they are creative, right? But they're still trying to be creative within very confined Mm. systems. Mm. Where's the collection plate? Mm. Oh my gosh, (laughs) my mind is spinning. Oh my gosh, absolutely, Amara, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's why, like, everybody has to fight so hard to get in these narrow cracks mm-hmm. and why when you get in a narrow crack, you've had to fight so hard and it feels like a major win. And then you get there and you're like, but why isn't all, aren't all these other things happening? I mean, I think about all of the forget about black trans actors, but I, I think about all of the black actors yes. who are like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got this Academy Award winning role or whatever, whatever. And the roles weren't just flowing in like they were for my white colleagues who did. And that's because the system is still in this instance, right? Or what we're talking about still fundamentally about rep- 
replicating white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's you're not going to have the same number of roles, for example, because that's not what that media environment is designed to do. Right. It's, mm-hmm. As I say this, I'm, my heart is breaking. But I'm just saying that, like, I truth. think that we have to under we have to understand that. And that's why it's a constant, you know, it's it's a constant back and forth. And we've had some really powerful and important advancements to be clear and to be sure. And I don't I'm not taking it away from that or undermining that. And I am at the same time saying that what we're doing is still working within, again, mm-hmm. these systems that are confining and that are meant to control. So mm-hmm. we're in a constant struggle. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, though, because I think such a sober minded look at what this work of you know, representation, visibility, opportunity in Hollywood specifically, like Mm -hmm. that is an accurate read of what is (laughs) actually unfolding, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes we we don't have this nuanced, complex conversation about it because, you know, we're still talking about the first black trans man to have a series regular role on television, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still talking about these like historical firsts. That's um, right. And so we don't we don't wrestle with the complicitness mm-hmm. that you know still exists even as we have a pose or had a pose. Um, That's so I'm right. Glad you said that. Right. And so like in the logic of Hollywood, Poe should have been replicated by a quadrillion shows um, that featured black trans characters and familial units. Right. Because we all know that. Like how many hospital shows did you see after ER like Mm -hmm. took off, you know, and still. And then like Grey's Anatomy is baby. She is still hanging on in there. They're trying to put her in the nursing home. She said, I'm not going nowhere. Meredith ain't even there no more. Meredith didn't left Seattle Grey. So Grey Sloan or whichever the name is now. Right. And so like, I think that like, you know, and the fact that it, it, that didn't happen underscores what I'm saying. And then the other thing, y'all know this, like this is just the truth and I'm just gonna say it um, because I'm in New York. (laughs) But I think that like, y'all know that like, also those people are, are, like don't want to speak out about the reality because Mm. you know there's a penalty by saying like i you know i am cast over for roles or i'm not getting them or i went into a casting thing and they said you would be great for this role but you're trans everybody knows you're a trans woman so we can't hire you like they're afraid of saying that because they understand absolutely the way that the system works and that there'll be a penalty for that Mm -hmm. and so i think that like we have to be honest at a minimum with ourselves about the terrain that we're navigating. So that makes me think about confirmation bias, how people are hunting for that. And I know that Trayvell Mm -hmm. and I had a conversation, this was off the record at the beginning of the year, where the top two, Hmm. and and I love the films, I shouldn't mention that, so this is not shade to the filmmakers or anything, but the top two films that were being highlighted, you know, regarding transness at Sundance revolved around sex work. And that's not to say that those stories shouldn't be told, but for me in 2023, I'm in the mirror like how many times is this going to be reiterated, particularly (laughs) as it pertains to black and brown trans people? Because yes, some girls are doing survival sex work. Some girls are doing sex work because they want to, but also there's a breadth of other experience out there. I'm a working journalist, but that's not what people want to see. That's not what's going to get the standing yes. ovation at Sundance. 
That's not what cis people, cis, gay, straight, and otherwise Mm -hmm. want to see as it pertains to black and brown bodies that are trans. Come on now. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that confirmation bias tip really, really just tore me up. Where am I going? What's my next question? I'm all over the place. (laughs) Um, No, you're not. It's very, we're having a conversation. It's coherent. I know, but I feel emotionally charged and I want to remain professional. Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm interested in knowing, Amara, Amara, as far as like your journalism is concerned, you know, you have trans slash media. What has it been Mm -hmm. like for you navigating, you know, the landscape as a, particularly as a trans journalist, like Mm -hmm. you're in politics, you're in entertainment. What has, what Mm -hmm. has that been like for you getting or gaining access to certain spaces and, and your reporting? Um, you know what I try, I have had to really try to do is like, I just really try to stay focused on the work and believing in the work that I'm doing. And I try to not like look around. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's natural, but I try to not look up and look around because it's really easy to get frustrated. Right. Mm -hmm. It's easy, you know, like, um, and so I think that like, for me, it's been really hard. Um, But I think that what I do is that I just stay focused and believing in what I'm doing. And that's honestly how I keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I keep believing even when other people don't believe, or I keep um, seeing even when people don't see. And so I think that like, that's, that's kind of what I have to do. Cause I remember like I was, I, I just had this conversation on another program today that I recorded. And I remember I was first like telling people, yeah, you know, we need to cre- start create like um, uh, a trans news outlet and like trans things that, um, that are going to create our own content. And I literally had s- several people, but one person in particular, I remember who looked at me and was like, why do we need any of that? We have a black president and we're about to have. A oh my president. God. Mm. Like, the, the, and so like, wow. there's, there's, a, and then people like, and then I was also reminded, you know, I've been talking, I, I was talking about anti-trans hate machine in 2018, but then started doing the work on it in 2020. And someone reminded me that they played back tape that I said on their show in 2018. And they were like, you said this five years ago, and we're exactly where you said wow. that we would be five years ago. And I was like, oh my God. And so I think that like, for me, you know, I understand that there are a lot of people who don't understand and don't see or who undermine or dismiss. I've had had a lot of that and continue to have a lot of that and you're not this or you're not a part of that so that means that you don't matter so that happens I mean we've all experienced that mm-hmm. right that's a part of the the pool that we swim in but I think that what keeps me going is that I just really believe in what I'm doing and I understand that it's really important and I keep thinking back to you know as we were saying like how I was growing up and it's like if I had been able to see the things that I am doing for myself when I was um, you know, seven, eight, 12, 15, mm-hmm. 16, it would have made a massive difference. And so I keep that in mind and I try not to like get rattled by all of the, all of the other stuff that people are doing, because I understand that of course they don't see me because the system tells them that I don't matter. Mm-hmm. All I heard was mm-hmm. hashtag listen to black women. I mean, this it's a, it's, a, it's a tale as old as time. Now they playing back what you said five years ago, but had you listened five to me years five ago. years prior, maybe we'd be I'm in a different place. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right. That's right. They literally played the tape of what wow. I said on their show five years ago. Wow. So I just think that, yeah. And so I, I think that that's really important. And, you know, I, I so appreciate Miss um, Major's piece about um, the fact that Stonewall never happened 
Because I think that like we we have to remember that the individual gains are really important and they're like having black trans people be in ads and represent luxury brands. That is so important. Like I don't take away from that. I affirm that that is important. And I also at the same time can hold that one isn't everyone. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And we have to hold both of those realities and be like, yes, this is happening and it's great and it's amazing and we need that. And we also need all these other things for everybody else. Well, that's how that and crabs, both those things are true. That's how that crabs in a in a barrel mentality is birthed. Like there is enough yeah. out here for all of us to eat. But when you're yes. operating in a system that, like you said, you got to make right. the most out of the cracks that you're able to slip into. It's not like people. That's the exactly door is right. wide open. You you slithering into a space, and so it's like everybody that's wants right. their mm -hmm. check. Everybody wants their visit. Everybody wants their dreams to come true. And so, Everybody. and to be clear, when you're, when you're referring to Ms. Major's piece, you're referring to her latest, is it an op-ed or an essay that she published? And then, and yes. them about uh, mm -hmm. Stonewall Never Happened, which That's don't right. let the title throw you off. You go pull it up. Get on your Googler. I'm right. talking yes. to the listeners. Go read it. Get on your Googler and go pull it, it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Amara, it. thanks so much for joining us. Deeply appreciate you and your work. Thank you. I appreciate you all for your work, the constant professionalism that you all display, the commitment to knowing the craft of what you're doing, to always showing up, and to always continuing to create and move things forward. And that's all we ever have control over is ourselves and what we're doing. And so you all continue to always um, show up and be up. One day we're going to see Char in the anchor desk of Entertainment Tonight. Period. She's going to be behind that desk. Oh, and yes. then that, you know how that camera swoops in from the side <laughs> yeah. of the studio and then the like comes cam. in over the uh -huh. desk. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Travel's going to be hosting on Sirius and multiple books. Period. So those are the dreams that we have to hold for ourselves and for each other. Absolutely. From your Absolutely. lips to thank God's you, thank ears. You, thank thank you. you, Amara Jones. <laughs> You know, the one thing that I love about Amara is the one, she's so smart. Okay. Amara's so smart. And also, the work that she's been doing and putting out there is like so necessary, especially mm -hmm. at this particular moment. So glad we were able to get her on the very last episode of We See Each Other, the podcast. Yes. Grateful for her visibility. Absolutely. Grateful for her words. Absolutely. And grateful for her lending us her time. Absolutely. Really good. Now, before we get out of here, I want to just take a moment to turn the mic back on us. Okay. Before we get out Did it out ever of here. turn away? Well, you know. <laughs> we, we passed it. We did. We did. And it came back to us. Uh-huh. You know, like it did. Like a boomerang. As one does. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and I want to ask you... Over the eight, nine weeks that we have been doing this thing here called We See Each Other, the podcast, what has stuck out to you most? Oh, gosh. I mean, well, I've loved every single interview. I think what's stuck out to me the most has been the opportunity to have a more refined, mm. all, although still very everyday, <laughs> conversation with you mm -hmm. that I would normally have had with you and now having it on public record <laughs> from now until the world blows up <laughs> where anybody could dig up oh she said this that one time you know but you know you know you've spoken to this in the past about learning in public and I think that that transparency and and bringing our listeners along with us for mm -hmm. that you know going hand in hand with your book with mm -hmm. your fantastic book 
has been my favorite aspect of, of doing this show. And, and we've had so many great, great interviews from Zeke to Amara to Hope. I mean, everybody's really been fantastic. Mimi. Yes. You know, we talked about finding someone from the talk shows. Yes. And so this has really been just the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Shout out to Max Fun. Shout out to Max Fun. Shout out to Palmira and Laura who have dealt with our bullshit Ooh. this entire time. But I'm super mm. grateful that what we have put together um, exists mm-hmm. because the types of things that we talked about on this show are things that you and I have talked about IRL yes, before. Yes. But I think there's a utility in having it. On the mic. Yeah. You know, and teasing out the various complexities, okay, of this thing called trans visibility um, and trans community. Um, And hopefully, you know, down the road, before the world blows up, somebody (laughs) will be able to access what we have put together here, hear our stories, hear the stories of the folks that we interviewed at Unique Women's Coalition, hear the stories of some of these other trans folks whose visibility and impact on the trans visibility conversation are just as important as Laverne, Mm -hmm. right? Just as important as Chaz Bono. Bono. Yes. I keep doing it. Bono. I keep doing it. I'm sorry, y'all. And there, we got, I feel like we had conversations with people that gave us answers that they might not have given mm-hmm. other places. Yeah, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we, yeah. We got, we got, we got to the things. And so, Char, I just want to thank you yeah. for for saying yes. <laughs> of course. You know, you, Shaw always says yes. I do. Okay. And I'm deeply appreciative of that because she don't have to. Okay. Um, but this has but been great. You. I mean, any chance, first of all, to work with you, I mean, as someone who's a fan and a friend, mm-hmm. like, I knew this was going to be easy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I've, you know, we've talked about this on the show. I've known you since 2017. And I've always admired your work and your work ethic. I don't see how you, you do it. Me either. Like, you work harder than me. And I'm... And I'm <laughs> yeah, you work hard. I'm, and I'm, I'm, like, missing a toenail, like, dragging on with the day. Um, but this was... I knew that this was going to be a, a meeting of the minds and a meeting of just two very, very black trans people who were not going to come to the table with any type of hiccups or hangups. And it was just going to be exactly what it was supposed to be. Absolutely. And so thank you as well. Thank you for tapping me because you could have had anybody in Los Angeles. There's, Los Angeles is running <laughs> full of trans people, <laughs> black trans people. But you called my phone. I did. So thank you. I did. And I will always call <laughs> For your, your debut phone. book too. Like I'm yeah. I'm here with the, you know, I'm, I'm applauding. You on the, you on the ground level. I'm applauding. Boots on the ground. <laughs> I'm applauding you talking to Janae Norman on GMA. You know, oh, yes. Travell Anderson opens up, you know, and your Gail King get up. <laughs> so yeah, it's been great just to even witness that. So I'm, I'm so proud of you. And again, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. And with that, we are going to get out of here. Don't do it. (laughs) You know what, you all? I I, I won't say goodbye. I'll just say until we meet again. Famous last words. Picture it. Spring 2011. Screaming. Chicago, Illinois. Harpo Studios. You have been a treat. Charlie. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. So let's 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 get this over with. You mm-hmm. all, yes, we're at the end. It's been fun. If you want to keep playing with us, you know our socials. We want to say thank you to everybody for trusting us with your stories. Mm-hmm. Because 
that is also important but also sharing them with us really appreciative you can keep up with the show or leave us a comment on instagram at slayjon you know it's Trayvale's middle name s-a-s-l-a-y-z-h-o-n well it's actually rajon yes but i don't know if you going down to the courthouse to make it (laughs) slayjon um (laughs) but you can also buy we see each other if you have not by this point you should have read it by now i'm just i'm just saying it came out what was it basically like a book club yes okay yes but you can buy We See Each Other, the book, wherever books are sold. Mm-hmm. And if you're too busy, if you find yourself too busy around the pool or doing whatever it is, summertime, you know, some of y'all having hot girl summers, <laughs> guess what? You can get the audiobook version and yes. Trayvell is reading that to you. I am. While you're doing whatever it is that you might be doing. Whatever it is. I mean, you could plug it into the aux system at the pool party if, you, if you'd if like and have Trayvell read to everyone. Read? Well, yes. Actually, I'm, on... I'm great at with an audience. Yes. If I do say Myself. And they can put on Never Ending Nina as the sound bed. Period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All righty, y'all. Our music is brought to you by the one and only Never Ending Nina. Super grateful to her lending us her talents, her gifts for that iconic theme song. Bum, 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 bum. Okay, it's going to be stuck in your head, period. <laughs> our producer is Palmira Muniz, and Laura Swisher is our senior producer. This podcast is supported by Critical Minded, an initiative to invest in cultural critics of color, co-founded by the Nathan Cummings Foundation and the Ford Foundation. It's a production of Slay Jean and Maximum Fun. Y'all be blessed! Bye! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.